Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Um, I have something to announce. Uh, This is probably going to be a shock to you. Um, Our services are kind of full. I don't know if y'all noticed. Um, So we are going to start a fourth service beginning on Easter that will begin at 1215. It'll be just like the others. Um, And uh, we would encourage you maybe to pray about going to the earlier service at 830 or skipping the next one because it's full too and going to the 1215 one. Um, There'll be plenty of room in those. And uh, this is the service uh, where we have the most visitors. And so we need to to make some room for people that aren't here yet. And we encourage you to, to pray about that. Or you could contact Brandon about joining the worship team, which would give us a seat too. So we're fine with that. So y'all think about it, pray about it, let us know. Um, also out in the, the foyer here on this side of the building, there are two tables. Um, there are two different ministries that are there. One of them is LaPonte, and it was here last week, and it's... Um, Rex Holt, who was a pastor and a missionary for many years, was a missionary in Togo, and uh, he maintains a mission there, and they go around and, and put water, uh, water wells in different towns and then start schools, and there's an opportunity for you to um, sponsor a child through their ministry uh, that would allow them to go to school and have clothes and sometimes food and things like that, and so we'd encourage you to uh, to partner with them. Our church is partnered with them. We'll be taking a uh, mission trip there, mission trips in the future, and we're excited about being a part. And Rex is out there if you'd like to talk to him, and uh, he can answer questions. And then right next to it is a table called Arrow Ministries. And Arrow Ministries was begun by a young man who came up through the foster system until he was adopted by a Christian couple. And now he began this ministry to try to help involve churches in the foster care system to make an impact for Christ in that world. And so there are different ways that you can help, whether it's supporting families that are fostering a child, or if you might be interested, there's a lot of information. There'll be an informational meeting a week from Tuesday at Trinity Christian Academy. So um, I'd encourage you to go by and talk to Stacy Reynolds. We've known her and her family for years and years. As a matter of fact, she was in... Uh, um, uh, in the classroom when Taylor first went to kindergarten at Brock uh, when we first moved here. And uh, so we've known them ever since. And they actually adopted a child uh, through the foster care system. And uh, so she has, she's a great resource if you might be interested in doing that. And I'd encourage you to go by both of those tables and at least give them a look. Um, encourage the people that are there and see if God might have you do something there. Um, so on to uh, the message today. You know, I'm not going to necessarily say this is a blanket statement, but I really do believe most, if not all of us, there's something going on in your life or there's some area in your life where you're trying to get kind of control of it. It seems like it's out of control or it's not going like it should. And even when you just think about it, it kind of makes the muscles in the back of your neck tense up just a little bit. And there's, there's something there, whether it's your finances, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship with your spouse or a child or a friend, there's something going on and you're kind of, you're, you're trying to get, get a hold of it so that you can fix it. 
and you're trying to get hold of it, and you just can't. And for some of you, it's things you, I got kind of a dry mouth today. I may drink more than normal. It's Mountain Dew, by the way, in case you were wondering. But, um, you know, there was somebody the other day that saw me in a, in a grocery store with, I don't know, like 12 six-packs of Mountain Dew, and they go, you really do drink that? And I was like, yeah, you think I've been lying all these years? Anyway, so, um, but here's the deal with those things. That thing that you're, you just can't quite get it right, you're grasping for, that's also the area where most likely you're struggling to trust God. It's in that area. And it may be relationships, maybe it's finances, maybe it's your future, maybe it's your, your dating life, whatever it might be. Whatever that thing is that you're really trying and struggling to gain control of, over, most likely, that's the area where you're struggling to trust God. And we're going to look at that, okay? And you know, all of us are there at some point or another. And so I want us to see what it looks like to trust God, what we're supposed to be doing, what's our responsibility, and what's God's, and, and how, to, how to determine which is which, okay? And so we're going to start out in Proverbs chapter 5 or excuse me, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. And if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body, and strength for your bones. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there's a couple of things from that opening verse that I want you to see. Number one, it's talking about trusting the Lord with all your heart. And then it says, do not depend on your own understanding. And a lot of times we depend on what we think. You know, and, and we, we feel like, you know, I've got a pretty good grasp of this. I know what it's supposed to be like. And if I could just get a hold of it, if I could just kind of get control of it, you know, I, I know, like my friend that's going down the wrong path in life, if they would just listen to me, I could fix their problems. If I could just get this job with this amount of money, everything would be fine. If I could just get do this, everything would be good in life. And we lean on our own understanding, and it blinds us to what God may be trying to do in other areas. The second thing it says, seek his will in all you do. He will show you which path to take. So many times, we make our own choices about the path we're going to take. You know, here's something I'll, I'll just, I'm going to throw this out here. I'm, I'm gonna, there's a couple times, I'm going to give you some straight up right here. I'm going to meddle a little bit today, all right? Y'all ready? First of all, people wake up and or when they're young, they kind of form an idea. And by the time they're married, they got an idea about what, what they want life to look like. What kind of job they're going to have. How many kids they're going to have. What they're going to do about this. And you know what? Sometimes we miss out on a lot of God's blessings because we're, we're not seeking his will in everything we do. How many of y'all have actually prayed, God, how many kids do you want us to have? How many, how many kids do you want us to have? God, what kind of job do you want me to work? Sometimes we get it in our minds. We don't even ask God. We just have got it. This is the way it's supposed to be. 
And you know what? You can miss a lot of blessings. You know, when we adopted Taylor, the, the attorney, you know, one of the things we asked him, because there were uh, over a dozen couples that were given the opportunity to adopt him, but because of the Down syndrome, said, they said no. And when we went down to adopt him, we said, why did, why did all these couples say no? And he said this. He said it's because it, it doesn't fit the picture they have in their mind of what their family is going to look like. And you know what? You can miss a lot of blessings just because you get a picture in your mind about what it's supposed to be like and you don't ask God. Ask God. And don't rely on your own understanding. And don't be impressed with your own wisdom. You know, you can get to a spot in life, you're like, man, I know how things work. This is how it works for me. You need to do it the same way. But you know what? Not everybody's the same. Not everybody's going to do everything exactly the same way. And, and, and when we try to control things, you know, I, I guarantee you there's plenty of you, all of us maybe at some point, have looked at our spouse and thought, if you could just change this. <laughs> Anybody? I know it ain't just me. But see, here's the deal with that. That ain't my job to change somebody else. Hey, I, I was, God called me into full-time ministry a long time ago. Okay? And I've never, I've not changed anybody's life. I've never saved anybody. I've not changed anybody's life. All I've done, all I am is an introducer. All I'm supposed to do is speak the truth in love. But it's God that changes people's lives. You can't change somebody. Only God can do that. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. And you know, here's part of the deal with that. It's a proven medical fact that stress will mess you up. Am I right? I mean, you, you, somebody comes up, you know, they start rubbing on your back, and you're like, oh, good grief, how did I get? It's because you're tensed up. Because stress does that to you. And what is stress? Stress is when something's not working the way we think it should. It's when, man, we're wanting something to be a certain way. We're frustrated because something's going on. And look, there's legitimate times when people that we know and love make bad choices. And we get stressed out about it. Somebody asked me, well, you know, how, how many of the people that come to you for advice actually take your advice? And I'm like, I don't really know what the percentage is, but if, I, if it was 50-50, I'd feel pretty good about it. And they said, well, what about, does that drive you nuts? Nope. It's just my job to say, this is what the Word of God says. You're the one that's, the person that's coming, that's up to them what they do with it. I can't make them. I ain't going to follow them home now. I, I, come on now, I told you. I, I done told you how to fix it. What good is that going to do? And so you, you, you tell them and then you recognize it's up to them and God what happens from that point on. It don't have nothing to do with me. And so we have to learn how to let some things go. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a part. We do. We should do what we can. You know, there, when uh, a few, several years ago, when my kids were really little, um, I took over the finances in our home. My wife had been doing it before. And I'm not quite as organized as my wife is. For those of y'all who know us both, you know that is the understatement of the century, all right? And so she calls me up about 6 o'clock. She'd just gotten home. And she said, hey, the power's off. Why is the power off? 
I was like, I don't know. And so I had forgotten to pay the electric bill. So we gathered up the, ch the, the cheerings and told them we were going on a big adventure. And we went to a motel that had a pool for the night. And the next day I got turned back on. But see, I didn't go, oh, God, how did you let this happen? That was my responsibility. There's things we got to do. If, you, if your issue's finances, hey, there may be some things you need to do to cut back or to be wiser or to be on top of things. Pay your bills on time. Dude, it cost me between the reconnect fee and the hotel and the, the food and all, it cost me 200 bucks for getting to pay the electric bill. And, and for days, I was, oh my gosh, that was stupid. Now, I ain't never missed another one, I can tell you that. <laughs> I've never even been close to missing another one. As soon as I get that bill, I'm paying that now. Because I, you know, that's the one thing you can't hide when you come home and ain't no power. Okay, ain't no hiding that. So you, you got to do what you're supposed to do. And there are things we're supposed to do. Take delight in the Lord, Psalm 37, 4 through 5. He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. There are things that we got to commit to do. We got to commit to following God. We got to commit to doing things the right way and then trust that he'll help us. And finances never will never make sense until you do God's part first, okay? And I ain't gonna make a big deal out of that, but here's the deal. It, that part should be non-negotiable every, every, every time you get paid. All right, this belongs to God. That's what the tithe is. God said the first tenth belongs to me. It's not me giving. I'm not even giving that. You understand what I'm saying? That's just me putting what belongs to God where God said to put it in his storehouse, in the church. That's what I do. And nothing, your finances, because some of you are like, oh my gosh, I could never, that's, that'll crush you. You'll never get your finances in order until you do what you're supposed to do. And then God will do what only he can do. He'll take care of the rest. The math may not add up, but the reality will. Because God don't need your math to provide for you. He will provide. And he's even said, that's one of the two promises in the Bible where God says, trust me in this. You do this and I will do that. I'll open up floodgates of blessings. So you got to get, you got to do your part. There are things we are called to do. Second Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. We live by faith, not by sight. We trust God rather than believing in what we see. Now, anyone in here that's followed Christ for any amount of time, you could look back in life and you could see, man, you know what? I didn't see how that was going to work, but God made that work in ways I never dreamed of. You know, I didn't see how when I asked God to do this and I wanted that to happen, how God had a different plan. I can look back and see all those things. But then you know what happens? I turn around and then I'm like, I'm going by what I see. See, I can look back in faith and see what God did, but then I turn around and I'm like, no, that's got to happen. This is what's going to have to happen next. And I do, what do I do? I try to make it happen instead of trusting God. You see, we got to look forward with faith just as we can look backwards with faith. It doesn't say you're going to understand everything. Philippians 2, 12 through 13, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. 
obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, we're supposed to work out our salvation. People ought to be able to see that, that Jesus is in our lives. We're supposed to be obedient to the word of God. That's our job, is to follow God's truth and to follow God's path and to follow God's way. And then God will do what only he can do. So now the question is, is it mine or is it God's? Let me show a little bit about some very clear areas where it shows us what our part is and what God's part is. The people in, in, in of Israel are, they are in captivity. Okay, they're... they're they're slaves working for another, for another group of people. And every day they're like, there's people trying to tell them, hey, you can get out of this. Whatever you, all we got to do is this, and God, you know, then it's going to happen. And God comes to them and says, look, quit listening to those people. Here's what he says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. First of all, it never says you're going to know the plans ahead of time. It doesn't say that. It says he will know. He knows the plans he has for us. And they're for good and not for disaster. Next. In those days when you pray, I will listen. What's our job? To pray. God says he'll listen. When we pray, he will listen. You know, here's the deal. We don't pray near enough about, about stuff in our lives, do we? I'd be the first one to admit that. I, I should be, there's more things... I spend more time worrying over things instead of what I ought to be doing, that's praying over them. God says, pray, and I'll listen. You know what we're praying about? What, what, God, what's the next step? What do I do next? I'm not sure. I spend more time, time trying to figure it out based on what I see instead of trusting God and saying, God, you show me when you're ready. Let me tell you something. When we were getting to a few months ago, we were making plans, looking forward to building our new sanctuary. And I was starting to feel the pressure of that. I was starting to, I'm like, this is a lot of money. And we got to do this right or we're never going to raise it. And what's going to happen? And we got to, I mean, we're in, we're in money that I'm like, dude, that's beyond, mm, that's a lot of money. And I was really getting stressed about it. And the week we were going to present it to the church, I walk into the doctor, I'd have a little procedure done that I thought that I was going to walk in. He was going to say, okay, you're all good. But he said, go get an MRI. Y'all, most of y'all were here. And he said, well, you've got two tumors in your head. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing for letting go of that kind of other stress than something like that happening. At that point, I didn't care about millions of dollars very much. And you know what? We released them. At, we, we, I told you the same time. Hey, we need 10 to 12 million bucks. And by the way, I got two tumors in my head. Same time. I can promise you no manual that I have ever seen for raising money has said do it that way. But I wanted you to know exactly where I was and what was going on. And you know, since it, we're, we're not where we need to be, but I ain't worried about it. You want to know why? Because that's God's thing. It's my job to tell the truth. I've told y'all what we need to do. Told, we've told you as, as, as elders, this is what we feel like God's leading us to do. And when the time comes and we're ready and we can do that financially, we will. 
And, and that'll happen when God says. And if God's speaking to you about it, then let God speak to you. And so I let go of that. Now, God had to kind of wake me up. That wasn't a, that's not a wake up. I, I got it, by the way. I, I message received. <laughs> Stop worrying about stuff that you can't worry about. So I feel no stress about that anymore. And if, if you hadn't heard, I, I'm fine. Y'all, both, one of them was removed. It was benign. The other one was determined to be benign. So I'm good to go. Okay, I'm going to be here probably a lot longer than a lot of y'all want me to. All right, so anyhow, that's the deal. So until y'all run me off, and it ain't going to be easy. I don't run off easy. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to be here, okay? So here's the deal. Is it mine or is it God's? That, that's God's deal. Now, do I have a part in it? Sure, we got we to gotta make plans and say this is what we're doing. But how it happens, that's up to God. Now, here's the next part. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. You know what? He didn't say, hey, y'all figure out a way to get out of this. Y'all figure out a way to get back what you lost. He didn't say that. You know what he said? Seek me. Seek me wholeheartedly. Seek me with your whole heart, and I will do these things. You see, our, we get in situations in life, and we think, man, my deal is to figure out a way to get out of it. But you know what God says? Seek him. And you can look, and there's all kinds of ways you can see. Some of the things you thought were, were at the time were the worst thing that can happen ended up being the path to your biggest blessings. Because that's what God does. That's how he works. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, some of the most difficult days in my life were, the, were really the pathway or the beginning of God's biggest blessings. And so we look around and we want to control what's going on around us. And we want to control our situation. And we think, if I could just get out of this, if I could just escape this issue, if I could just get away from it. And we got to do our part. But what God says is this, seek me with all your heart. Seek me with all your heart. And then he said, I will do this. I will do this. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. We do way more, we spend way more effort trying to fix things that God has told us he would fix if we would only seek him with all of our heart. And it's because we, we struggle. The greatest test in life is the test of trusting God. And anything in your life where you're, it just mentioning it makes you boil up a little bit, makes you nervous, makes you want to control, makes you want to grab hold of it, and you know how it comes out most time is anger. And anything in your life that causes that is it's a symptom. Not that, well, you're just not doing a good job getting control of it. It's that you it's it's not meant for you to control. God wants you to surrender it to Him and trust Him. You know, now we, we got all these phenomenons, you know. 
tiger moms and this kind of dad. And, and, uh, and what do they do? They basically grab their kids and they walk them through what they want them to be and, and, and control everything and make them become that. You know what I grew up with? You know who, was, who people talked about with awe? Was moms that prayed for their kids. Sometimes for years. I can remember sitting in churches and hearing somebody stand up and say, you know what, I made a lot of bad decisions. But you know one thing that was constant through that? My mom always loved me. And she'd tell me all the time, Jesus loved me. And she told me she was praying for me. And you know what, there came a time where it broke through and it, and, it, and it mattered. And now I belong to Christ and it's changed my life. How many testimonies have you heard of, man, my mom got control of me and now I'm a good person and I'm a godly... You know, parents, God never calls you in his word to, to raise godly children. He calls you to be godly parents. Because here's the deal with kids... You, you be the parent that God calls you to be. But your kids still have to decide. They still have to choose which path they're going to take. And, and here's the thing. Our part is to do what we can do and trust God to do what we can't. And to learn the difference. And that's a difficult thing. Sometimes it's hard to let go of some of that control as a parent, isn't it? Yep. I can, can I give an amen on that? Give me an amen. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. But you, you're never going to get anywhere trying to do God's job for him. The only thing that's going to lead to is difficulty and hardship. We know that God works everything together for good. Now, how do, the greatest example is, is, is Jesus. You know, it says in Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, one of the biggest things is he understands what we struggle with. For he faced all the same testings that we do. So you know what that means? He faced the same testing of, is he going to go God's way or is he going to go what, what he wanted? And you're like, well, why? But he did it without sin. But here's the deal. There's this mystery that Jesus is fully God and also fully man. And there was the night before he was going to be crucified. They had the, the Last Supper, and it says in Luke 22, 39 through 46, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. You understand what he's praying? God, if you're willing, I don't want to do this. Who could blame him? 
You, you, you hear what he's saying? There's a struggle going on. And here's part of the struggle is that he didn't have to go through with it. Wait a minute, he's Jesus. He had to be crucified. He did for us to be saved. It tells us in Philippians 2, 7, 8, we're going to come back to Luke in just a second. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That humbled himself part is significant. God didn't humble and make him. He didn't humble him and make him die on the cross. He just said, this is the way. And so Jesus is in this garden and he's struggling with it because he knows what's about to come. He's going to be humiliated. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be spat upon. They're going to crush this crown of thorns onto his head. They're going to beat him to the point where he's almost dead. And then they're going to have him carry his cross and then nail him to it and put him up for everyone to see. And Jesus is, look, if you're willing, please take this away from me. Is there not some other way? But then here's what he says. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. You see, at any moment, Jesus could have left and not gone to the cross. It's almost impossible for us to imagine. But God didn't force him. He humbled himself in obedience. What did he do? He surrendered. Not my will, but your will be done. He chose obedience to God. even knowing what it was going to lead to. And you know, there, there are times, that's, that's the thing. Sometimes there's things we can get, a, get control of. There's things that God's given us dominion over. There's things God's given us authority over. There's things that we're supposed to do. And so sometimes, you know, I, Maybe just by praying and asking God, we can get something kind of going the right way. But there are a number of things that we, we strive for that, that, are, that are only God's to do. And you know what we've got to do when we come to those? Is surrender. Not my will, but your will be done. And there's some things that come with surrendering. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace comes with surrendering what we're trying to control unto God. It's not ours to control. That's when peace comes. You see, when you're trying to control something and it's not yours to control, it, it's just more and more turmoil, isn't it? There's turmoil in you. You see them doing something you don't want. You see things happening you don't want to happen. You see things going the way you don't want them to go. And it's just turmoil. And it makes you try harder to control it. And the frustration of not being able to comes out on the people that are around you. And the only way to reverse it is not to try harder. It's not to come at it from another way. It's not to do a different method. It's not to listen to a podcast. It's to surrender it unto God. And say, not my will, but your will be done. And here's the thing. Man, when it comes to something that you love, It feels a little bit like dying, doesn't it? To let go of it before the peace comes. And sometimes that, well, I, you know, yeah, I am, but it's just because I love him so much. The most loving thing you can do is let God do what God does and surrender it unto him. It's hard when it's your child. It's hard when it's your spouse. It's hard when it's your friend that you've known and loved for a lifetime. It's hard when it's a dream that you've had for your whole life. And you decide, that, you know what? Maybe it's not what God wants. I'm going to surrender it to him. And if it is, then he'll give it to me. And if it's not, he'll give me something better. You know, see, that's the thing. There are dreams that I can remember having surrendered unto God that at the time I thought, man, it, I could never give this up. But then when I did, I realized that God had something better that I could not even imagine because he knew the plans he had for me. And I didn't. And the answer was not for me to figure it out or to find it or to push harder. It was to surrender to him and he brought me to it. And it feels really hard in that moment when you just surrender it. It hurts a little bit, sometimes a lot. But what comes on the other side of that is a peace that comes only from God. Matthew 10, 39, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Jesus is not talking about dying there. He's talking about living. About surrendering your life. God, it's yours. Do with as you will. And you know what? When you do that, you will find life. But you've got to be willing to surrender. And that doesn't come natural. That doesn't come natural. You know, when, when, when I was a boy and we'd wrestle and you see him now, you can see sometimes when one's got the upper hand and the other one's, you know, they're beating. 
And all I got to do is yell uncle or whatever the word is, and, and they let it let go. And dude, it's hard to say that word, isn't it? It is hard to give that up. But God tells us, surrender is part of it. And some of us, some of you believers, you got to surrender. There's something in your life, maybe, maybe it's in your relationship with your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your work, whatever it is. Maybe it's a dream you've been chasing, and you've never really asked God about it in the first place. And you need to be willing to say, you know what, it, it doesn't mean that you, you, you just lose everything. You don't know. But you got to be willing to lay it down and say, God, it's yours. Do with it as you will. You want it to work? Make it. It'll work. If you don't, it won't. But I'm tired of fighting it. And I don't want to fight anymore. It's yours. And God, I, that, that relationship, and I, I'm, I'm trying to help them. I, I recognize I can't change their heart. I can't change their life. Only you can. And so, God, I'm going to continue to speak truth. I'm going to continue to love them because I do. But I'm going to trust you to do what I can't. And I'm not going to try to control them anymore. I'm going to do what my responsibility is, and I'm going to leave the rest up to you. Some of you need to do that today. And in a moment, when we're in a time of prayer with those that are beginning a relationship with Christ, you can go before God and do some business right here. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you've got to stop struggling too. Because here's what you're doing. You're trying to justify your own life. Or thinking, well, I, you know, if I do enough good stuff, it'll be okay. It won't. Because here's some truths from the Bible. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't be good enough. You, you sin. The wages of sin is death. That means separation from God. We've, there's not one of us in this room that hadn't already earned that, me included. And if you're thinking, well, I can do more stuff, you can't. You can't get over that. It's, it's a, a canyon, a cavern that you cannot get over. So you've got to admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. The second thing is you've got to believe in Jesus. He was God's son. And you know what? He did for you what you could not do for yourself. He was sinless, obedient to the point of death, and he died that death that you deserve and that I deserve so that we wouldn't have to die. See, he did all that. He did the hard work. And he did it for, for you and for me. And so you got to believe in Jesus. you got to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. And you got to believe that he rose on the third day to give you life. And then the last thing, and this is part, this is surrender on the front end. You got to confess Jesus as Lord. You know, the, the thing about it is you, you don't get a, there's not a free trial with Jesus. You don't get to, well, let me, I'm going to try it for a couple of weeks, see how it works. Well, you know what, God, I'm going to surrender this area of my life and see if it happens. And if it doesn't, then I'm going I'm to go back to work. Surrender means forever. 
And when you come to God, when you come in faith for salvation, here's what the Bible says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know what that means? You come and you say, God, I'm not enough. Here's, Here's everything I am. It's yours. It's yours. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. There's nobody in this room that has a relationship with Christ that is. We still struggle. But when you come, you got to come with everything and lay it down in front of him. God, this is this, this all I have. And I'm, I'm confessing Jesus as my Lord. Now, if you've never done that, you'd like to do it today, I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. You know, in the last service, before the service, we had an individual that got saved this week that wanted to be baptized. And he brought some of his family. And so before, the the mom had to be at work early, and so we did it during the service. And it took later, and we had to skip a song, and then we ended up having to do another song and wait till they were ready. And the reason was that the, the family members, one of them including the mom, got saved while they were up there, while we're down here in worship. And so instead of baptizing one, we baptized three. Because today is the day of salvation. And then during the service, we had over 10 people indicate they prayed to receive Christ. This was their day, and it can be your day. And here's the thing about God, is once you come to him in faith, you're now his child, his daughter or his son, adopted into his family forever. And if you'd like to do that today, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you'd like to do that today, I'm gonna pray a prayer of salvation, and I'm gonna invite you to pray it with me. You can repeat it after me. You don't have to do it out loud. Just pray in your heart. God will hear you. But if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God, and that that will be for eternity, you pray this with me right now. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Cleanse me. and Make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day. Give me life. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior and confess Him as my Lord. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. But if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to call you out. But I do want to encourage you and pray for you. So if you prayed that today and you meant it, I want you to look up at me and wait until I catch your eyes, so we make eye contact. So look up at me right now if you prayed that prayer today. Okay, I see you. All right, okay, got you. All right, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Here's the the good news. 
The good news is Jesus died for your sins. And once you trusted him, in that moment, your sins are forgiven. All the sins you've ever committed, all the sins you ever will commit, you have been declared righteous in God's sight. And you are now his child. And that will never change. So I want to pray for you and encourage you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy. God, thank you for these that made a decision today to trust you. Father, I pray they would get in touch with us, whether it's talking to John here in the front at the end of the service, or whether it's texting us through our text line. But Father, they give us the opportunity to answer any questions and talk to them about following following you in the future. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.